this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, Zoe had a great conversation with Alexis Smith, the CEO of IM Geospatial. Alexis shares with us a bit about her background in business and how she stumbled into the smart community space because of her passion for helping people and making change for a better world. Zoe and Alexis talk about the gap between the ideal world and reality when it comes to sensors and data and some projects that are happening in the UK, including the satellite application Catapult, plus what Alexis is currently working on. Alexis then shares what IM Geospatial does and why not being an engineer has been an advantage for her. They finish their chat discussing the emerging trend of branding and rebranding smart city concepts. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Alexis. How are you today? Hi there. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. That's very early morning here. I'm very well, very well indeed. That's awesome. Okay, let's jump straight in because I know you've got a gym session to get to after this. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us about your background and what you're passionate about? Yeah, sure. So, So my background, unlike a lot of people in sort of the smart cities or AI or GIS or earth observation, is business. So I stumbled into smart cities. I stumbled into GIS. I stumbled into earth observation. I stumbled into sort of engineering. Although I have, some would say, strange hobbies. I really like things like quantum mechanics. I really like things just like how things work in life and how we perceive the world as well. And the smart city question is just sort of a big sort of brand, I guess, to sort of say, how can the world be in the future? It's almost like a a way of sort of branding all clever tech that can link things together with a location-based element to it. Mm, Cool. You already kind of answered this, but what sparked your interest in this smart city or smart community space? I guess the interest in just smart cities is really about how we can develop as a race and how we can help each other. So I'm really passionate about helping. We do a lot of work with insurance companies. And instead of trying to sell a product to an insurance company that is just to help the insurance company, how we're positioning ourselves is to try and help customers. So that really is important for me. Now, I think the smart city element, there are so many really exciting possibilities to help around health, to help around efficiency, to help people that are discriminated against or disabilities. And those are the really exciting aspects of technology, which I think can really help going into the sort of 2020s, 2050s and seeing how we can really help those people and that those disadvantages maybe even become an advantage or maybe even, you know, just people don't even talk about them anymore. Mm, Interesting. So what is a smart city to you? Oh, that's a very, very good question. So, right, smart city, for me, it's a data city. So in essence, it's mapping a virtual data map across a real topographic landscape and being able to utilize that data in real time or near real time to give you advantages. So anything to do with any sensors, and that could be anything. A lot of cities at the moment, you know, are actually smart. They just don't know it. So we do a lot of work with water companies. 
They've got loads of sensors in the ground. In the UK, we also have the Environment Agency with loads of sensors in the ground. And if everybody talked together and brought that data together, you can get some great insights, some really exciting things that can happen from it. Why do you think that this smart city concept is so important? I think it's like any type of buzzword that's flying around, you know, like AI, like big data, like any of these buzzwords that news people like to sort of hook things onto. It's not necessarily the technology that's so clever or so important. It's more about the concepts. So how can you get big data or how can you get huge amounts of data with vast amount of sensors to help? But also, how do you remove the human intervention to understanding that data and give you real insights or real advantages by processing it? So it's all about cost benefit. So is the amount of effort needed to build the system and run the system worth what you're going to get out of the answers that you get from calculating and bringing out all the algorithms to find out if your sewers need to be pumped down or to find out if you whatever answer you're trying to get. And I think that in an ideal world, all sensors will work all the time. In an ideal world, you'll get a perfect smart city database uh, in, in a data cube or whatever another buzzword you want to use. And that will be great in theory. The issue is going to come when the world's not perfect. Things break. Things don't quite work out. There are bugs people don't see. It's about how do you use those tools And in essence, Smart City is just a tool. It's just another tool to help us as a race or as as a people to answer questions. It's just another tool, I guess. Interesting. I like that, thinking of Smart City as a tool and that there'll be other tools that we use and tools essentially just make our lives better. Yeah, exactly that. And that's all these things are. So I get asked a lot of questions when I go in and talk to our customers. You know, the managing director of an insurance company They don't really care what satellite I'm using, what normalization algorithm we're using, how we calculate stuff, how our machine learning works, how our cloud computing instances work. They don't care. All they want to know is, does this tool, it could be be a shovel, does, does the tool work? Does it give them the answer that they need? And does it give it to them at the right rate of return? that they need to answer their their question. And Smart City is just another one of those tools that uses AI, another tool, big data. It's just that they're all just tools that we can use. And I think the general populace gets very scared or very baffled by all the sort of the buzzwords that people band around because they think it's, you know, marching the machines. It's just another tool. They're just very clever tools. That's all they are. How do you think the UK is currently embracing this concept? I think the UK is doing really well. There are some amazing projects that are happening at the moment. Uh, One that is one of our, I don't know if you know anything about our industrial challenges, but we have the UK supports a number of industrial challenges and they put money into research and innovation and to help SMEs and to increase UK PLC for exports. And one of the big ones that the satellite applications catapult is doing at the moment is about how do you tie in or use Earth observation data with GIS or you know, location-based data, so turning into location-based data, but then adding in the smart city, in inverted commas, element. Now, in the industrial challenge, it's not smart cities, it's sensors, but it's the same thing. It's just a different name. It's just how do you bring all those sensors and all that data together to then show this working in real time? So that could be around flooding. It could be around transport. It could be around different elements, different parts of it. 
And I think that the UK as a whole does great in supporting those things. And we have so many innovative, amazing businesses like our own, I must say, like our own, um, but um, some great businesses that if we all work together, we can solve some of these massive problems and then have something very exciting that we can export to the rest of the world. Mm, Excellent. Well, let's talk about some of the projects and things that you're working on. Tell us about your company. Okay. So IMG is basically the brand. It's not a company. The actual company is AI Holdings and that owns different companies, IP companies, operation companies, things. And we are working on a variety of different projects at the moment. So we have got a project with the European Space Agency, which is with, and the consortium of people in it is Andean Water, Affinity Water, and the World Bank. And that is to fully automate our data pipeline. So we've built some technology which enables us to automatically extract features from different data sets. And that's from Earth observation data or remote sense data. So it doesn't have to be from satellites. It could be from UAVs. It could be from any type of remote sense data. And what the project is, is to actually automate the fully around the data pipeline. And one of the major issues around that is how do you automatically QA results that have been generated in an unsupervised fashion? You know, you have this march of the machines problem, which is the machines checking the machine. How do you ensure that the machine is always doing the right thing? Because if it gets an idea, it could very easily spiral down into a little wormhole of errors where it thinks it's making the right decisions, but it's not actually doing it. And that's one of the major issues around AI and how you can sort of um, do stuff. But this project will be to hopefully create some open source software that will enable us to solve that little issue, but also help the community. So quite passionate about helping people. And uh, if we can solve a problem, but it can help the larger AI community or the larger geospatial, larger smart city community at the same time, then that's a great thing to do. Part of the other stuff that we're doing for that project is around open data cubes. So there's a whole load of issue about processing remote sense data and doing some things to the data to enable you to have data that you can then process via machines. Now, there's no point everybody in the whole world doing the same steps. So the big idea is why can't we all just do bits of it and then leave it there for everyone else to use? And I think that's really important. If we all bring together, a lot of people in SMEs are very, very protective over their IP, which is understandable, we are. But if we can all help each other a little bit more, then that can only be good for what we're trying to achieve in the long term. So that's, that's one big project we're doing. We're doing lots of other things. We're working with insurance companies, underwriter companies, as I said, like helping customers. So one of the cool things we're doing at the moment is, you know, when you go and get your insurance and you, you have to fill in all those forms, we're populating those forms for you. So you can tick a box, type in your address, and it will populate all the information for you. And that way you don't have to fill in all the forms, which I think will be really good for the customer which is very exciting. And then we've done a big project recently with a water company, which is around irrigated landscapes. So it's actually utilizing different things on the ground to show where people are using high amounts of water across a landscape and how that affects the optimization of a system. So with a water company, you have to have a certain pressure in a water system. And it's incredibly important that pressure is sustained. So it enables people to have water pressure when they need it. And that's really important. So to understand who's using water and when is very important. And sometimes people don't use their standard connections. They just use water. So it's important to understand who's using water and when. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Sounds like you're doing a lot of really interesting projects. 
Yeah, they're quite cool. The, it's quite amazing how if you get a lot of interdisciplinary people in a room, how many different problems you can solve. And obviously not being from engineering and not knowing how to solve all these problems, it's a major advantage for us as a business because we can just look at it with a blank piece of paper and not say, well, it's done that way, so we do it that way. We can look at it and say, well, how do we solve that problem? And what's the most effective and efficient way of solving the problem? And that's a real advantage for us. Yeah, I love that. I have a couple of questions. Can you explain, because I had a bit of a look beforehand, your showreel, one of the keynotes you were doing, you explained kind of what your brand does. Can you dive a little bit deeper into it and just explain how you use the satellites and the spatial aspect of it? Yeah, of course. So IM Geospatial is an automated business intelligence uh, business. We generate business intelligence, which again is just a flashy word for saying we solve people's problems. We use earth observation. So we use satellite imagery to understand or to create a load of data. So in essence, we are creating, probably want to call it a map, but a map is quite an old hat way of explaining. A map is just data. It's just information of where things are and where things are based. And we utilize that data. And what we then do is we digest, distill, and disseminate that data into something, an interesting point that a company or a person or a persona within that company would need. So for an insurance company, for example, it could be, is a tree close to a house? Now, you might think, well, that only helps the insurance company. Well, it doesn't, because what that enables you to do is it actually enables you to inform your customer that if you cut your trees down at the back of your house, you're less likely to have an incident. The amount of money you have to pay for your policy will go down. So everybody wins. So you're actually informing and educating and helping the customers at the same time as saving money. And that's what we're all about, is how do you extract data overlay that with other data. So that might be data from our customers. It might be other open source data. It might be anything else, any other data that's in the ether. And then how do you bring all that data together to give you those answers? And how do you do that in an automatic way without human intervention? Mm, Which allows for like a more cost-effective approach, I guess. Well, yeah, not just cost-effective, but you're, you're dealing with millions, if not billions of data points, there just aren't enough people to be able to do that in near real time. So the issue is not really around cost, although, you know, that, that's a good thing. It's more about how do you actually do these calculations and how do you digest all this data in an efficient and quick t- way? Because historically, when people fly LIDAR or they, they create topographic like maps of uh, a city, it would take them six months to fly or three months to fly. They then have to process it for another three to six months. It would then go to an engineer. They would then do their models. And by the time the model outputs, it's a year or two years out of date. So things have already changed. You're making decisions on really bad old data. So whatever decision you make, it's not going to be correct because the data you're using is, is already out of date. So what we're trying to do is shorten that time down to hours or or days, if not hours, to enable those changes to happen automatically, to then be able to influence and make those decisions, or at least give people a heads up of, you know, this has now changed, you might need to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess cost effective isn't the word that I should use. It's efficient. I mean, well, it's doing something that you can't possibly do now. Yeah, exactly. You need AI and all these things and and cloud computing and all of the other buzzwords to enable you 
to use the tool. So the tool is there, but you need to be able to use the technology to enable the tool to work. It's like having an electric drill without any electricity. You need the electricity to power the drill. Otherwise, the drill is a bit useless. It's a hammer. Mm, mm, Yeah, exactly. And that's not necessarily useful for the thing that you're trying to do. What I think we need to understand is that those decisions are being made right now, you know, on planning, on insurance, on, you know, all these things based on old crappy data. And it's not that we've suddenly got all this extra or we're trying to make different decisions with the same data. It's actually being able to make better decisions with the data that's available through using some of these tools. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And it's also quite, you know, with climate change and everything else that's happening, the models, historically, people would model stuff on what has happened. And that's another issue is that people don't know what's going to happen because the models historically don't work. So a lot of people that are doing flood modeling or doing modeling around things like insurance or doing other things around planning for maybe floodplains, they're using historic data to predict where is safe to build a house or or where is more likely to flood. Now, with climate change and with these massive events that are happening, using historic data is potentially not the best way of doing this. We need a, a foolproof way of understanding what's happening in the environment, understanding the features and insta- understanding the water interactions to enable us to then predict that this place potentially that we would have used historic data to say is safe is really unsafe. And that's a really interesting shift in how engineers or how the whole you know, engineering community will have to go in the future. Mm, Yeah. And I think it is important to note, like, I guess what I said before, but that those decisions are being made right now. Because I know there's been a lot of talk that what should we do with, you know, this data that we're using, if it's going to change people's insurance policies and flooding and all that kind of stuff. But right now people are making decisions about that. So they'll just be able to make better decisions. It's a really, really good point um, because people are, for, for insurance, I can talk about insurance. Insurance is done stochastically. So you're just a number and you're just a statistic to say that this area is likely to flood at this area. Well, actually, you might be on a little brow of a hill, which you know is never going to flood because the water goes around in a different way and you're not near a sewer. So you can't have any pluvial flooding coming back up the sewers, but you won't be treated in that way because you're treated stochastically, not in a point-based way. And what these tools like smart cities and sensors and all this other stuff that's already been, you know, is already out there, what these things will enable us to do is just be a bit clever and a bit better. But I think it's important that not just to make the insurance company more money, it's about educating the people on the ground that, look, you know, you're at risk, you need to do something. And if you do this, then you're not going to get flooded. And that's the exciting thing for me is not just about you know, helping an insurance company. It's about helping a person. It's very, very important. And one of the other things that I do is that I'm um, one of the directors of the UK Flood Partnership, and it's a volunteer organisation to bring the whole flooding community together in the UK. And we're part of the UK Water Partnership. And that is all about trying to just help people in every aspect and to try and help UK PLC and the flooding aspect of water to try and promote good practice around the world. Mm. We'll introduce you to somebody. Um... Uh, she's a, a startup founder. She has an app called Flood Map, um, and it's about giving people real-time information when it is flooding. Because experiencing this over in Australia, when we had um, the Brisbane floods, there just wasn't information available um, in real time. And so she's developed this 
tool. Anyway, I will introduce you after this. Amazing. Thank you. Okay, let's go on to the next question. How do you think that we can better integrate across, you know, the different disciplines, government, industries? I imagine you would have to do a lot of this in the work that you do. So is that integrate with people or integrate with data? Well, that's a good question. The way that I um, normally frame this question is just like, how do we communicate better across the different disciplines? Or, But I have had answers where it's like, well, we use, you know, we use the data to build those relationships. It's a really interesting point. And we were just discussing this at the Leadership Council of the UK Water Partnership a few weeks ago, because they're really, we were just about to release a white paper on digital water. And one of the main things that were raised was the interoperability of the data between Earth Observation, GIS, even the water systems, even the water companies themselves. And there are no standards across the whole sector. One of the major issues you know, that a lot of people are trying to solve, especially with the autonomous vehicle people coming in with their huge budgets, is how do you make that data truly useful for people and easy for people like ourselves, SMEs, but also large businesses to sort of dial into and use. So it really is a case of everybody working together. And a lot of people historically in large businesses have wanted to have their own data files, their own data you know, um, formats to protect their own CAD systems or BIM systems or or different things. So to try and bring all that data together and try and make it open, well, not, not the tech, but to try and make the data accessible between each system, I think is one of the major stumbling blocks to enable true smart cities to happen. And that will take government legislation or people really working together to see the benefit of a few people working together. Two plus two does equal five, rather than this is mine and I'm not going to let anybody else use it. And that will be interesting to see how that shapes. But I think people, especially the old school, inverted commons people that, that aren't really used to data, are starting to really see that that is a massive issue and that people, it does need to happen and, and it is a stumbling block for us as a group. Mm, mm, and I like that. I like that answer. Okay, next one is, what are the emerging trends that people aren't talking about enough? I think we've touched on a couple of them already. Emerging trends people aren't talking enough about smart cities and or smart areas. I think one of the things, which is what you've done, which is rebranding, which is a smart city doesn't necessarily mean a city. A smart city is just a concept and it's just a, a sort of a tool and it's just a way of describing a load of data being used with sensors on the ground or whatever they may be with other data layers and other historic things together. And instead of getting bogged down in which buzzword we should be all using today, I think it really is a case of, of trying to open up those things. So one of the main issues around geospatial um, technology is that people keep calling it geospatial and people keep looking insular, they keep looking inside the whole community, whilst people outside don't realise that everybody in day-to-day -day life uses geospatial all the time. Everyone uses Google Maps, everyone uses Apple this, you know, um, even Master Map, even, you know, absolutely everything. So people, I think, get hung up on buzzwords too much. And I guess your question was, what are the trends or the things that people aren't doing. I think one of the, the major things that's happening is that you're getting people like me, who is a woman in tech, who came in from outside the business, coming in to try and shake things up a little bit. And because the barrier to enter these type of businesses are, are being reduced and even further with Amazon just releasing their new objectives of how to democratize 
the data coming down from satellites, there are some really interesting, exciting things that will happen with startups and people from outside geospatial, outside engineering, outside the classical ways of large business that will really shake things up. And I think that's the exciting part. Yeah, no, I love that answer. And yeah, thanks for bringing the yeah, my rebrand, because I just want to touch on that a little bit more, because I think the reason I rebranded is because I wanted to bring it back to the people, right? So when we are talking the smart city, you're right, we just get caught up in this buzzword. What does it mean? Oh, I don't know exactly what it means, so I can't play in this space. You know, And totally like what you just said is people inside the smart city concept or, or the professionals in there just keep looking inwards and not outwards. And particularly with geospatial is a great example. People are using this stuff, but they're not necessarily saying, oh, I know about geospatial or whatever. And I guess that's why I wanted to open it up a bit with the community because I want to be able to have conversations with people in the community when about smart concepts and then we can actually speak the same language, but also they can understand the benefit. Why are we trying to actually do this? Yeah, I think you're very, really, really, you're really right. And I think you're really right in how you've done that rebrand because the managing director of an insurance company or the person in the water company, they don't care what the buzzword is. They don't care at smart cities. They don't care it's geospatial. They don't care about AI. They just want to know it works and how it helps. That's all they want to know. And everybody uses location-based technologies all the time. They just don't know it. Mm, awesome. Well, it's been so great to chat with you. Thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Uh, I think we should we need to have some further chats. I think we've got a lot of uh, aligning thoughts. Yeah, definitely. It was really good. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's amazing. And the work you're doing and the stuff you're doing is brilliant. So thank you so much for, for flying the flag. It's awesome. Thanks a lot. Oh, I just have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? Uh, they can connect with me at uh, Twitter. So we're on Twitter at I am geospatial, hashtag I am geospatial. Or you can go onto our website, which is I am geospatial.com. So that's I indigo Mike Golf. Yeah. And uh, I'm pleased to get in contact if you need to get in contact with us and, and everyone keep doing the good work that we're doing. Yeah, no worries. We'll um, put all the links and everything in the show notes so people can click away and find you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community or find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter at smartcompod. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears, so thank you in advance. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. 